for the football game today. I bet there's a lot of worry going on today about the football game in there. They say there's more gambling going on today for the football game than about anything, right? I'm not worried about who wins. <laughs> I don't have any money on that game, praise the Lord. I don't gamble. I don't think that's a good investment of your money, plus you're taken away from somebody else to put something in your own pocket without rendering any service for that. It's a form of theft. All right, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Look at uh, verse 22 to 34. And uh, Jesus is warning us about worry. 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 We got any warriors here? Any warriors? Any warriors? Yeah, I'm, I'm in that group. I, I let things bother me. And I love that verse in Philippians that says, be anxious for nothing, but everything through prayer and supplication. Let your request be made, made known to God. You know, I, I'm really having victory in some of scriptures, you know. I, I, but that one I struggle with. About worry. And uh, you may be too. And Jesus here is warning us about worry. And he's teaching a long, large group of people. 2,000 years ago, and isn't it amazing that they got the same problems then as we have now? The same problems because we have the same human nature, don't we? Let's read the text together, beginning with verse 22. And he says, if I can find it, I'm having trouble finding 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. And that that's the that's the King James' way of saying, don't worry. Take no thought for your life. And I've got a little definition for the word life later. What you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. You ladies, did you get that? Verse 23, for life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them, how much more are ye better than the fowls? Verse 25, And which of you, taking thought, can add to his stature one cubic? If ye then be not able to do that, which thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not, ye that which shall uh, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink neither be ye of doubtful mind for all these things do the nations of the world seek after and your father knoweth that you have need of these things look at that your father knoweth that you have need of these things but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you 
Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that which you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What a great passage. I, I just read this this week and I said, I've never preached this. I've got to preach in this passage of Scripture because Jesus is teaching and he's teaching us today from the text. As I said, it was 2,000 years ago, but it's just as if it is meant for today. And uh, fear and worry, I, like, I love that song that just talked about fear, didn't it? It's a liar. It controls you. And worry controls people. Uh Covetousness was the last text, and now the stepsister to covetousness, which is worry. Verse 22 of our text, it says, And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. Take no thought. Are you worrying about important things? You know, most of the time, people worry about things that are not important. Worry is just a sin. Now to be concerned and think about something that you have to face, you have to plan for, that's why it kind of brought you up to date on that take no thought. The take no thought there is in, in the language kind of might give you the idea that you're not even supposed to think about a plan of life and a structure and all those things. It's not saying that. It's just saying don't be overwhelmed with the thoughts. That's, that's the word that you need to get. What causes worry? And is worry a sin? Let me ask you that. Is worry a sin? How many says worry is a sin? Raise your hand. Or how many says that worry is not a sin? Raise your hand. Well, it's at least a hindrance, isn't it? And, and so what is the root of it? We're not trusting God. He said, oh, you have little faith in the text, didn't he? Oh, you have little faith. And he challenged us to put our focus on the kingdom of God. Now, a key verse, a key word in the verse 22 is the word life, the word life. Now, it's not talking about physical life per se. It, it includes that too, but it goes to a deeper meaning. Our mind, it goes to our mind, and, and the word there translates psychic, like our, our psyche, not a psyche problem, uh, a person, but goes into our thoughts, into our mind, and he said, you know, he, he's talking about what's eating at us. What's eating at us? Uh, don't let worry control your mind, your life. Verse 23 in the text, he says, And life, psyche, life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. It's just not what you eat, not what you wear. You know, you worry about what you wear. I, hey, it's okay. If everybody was like me, we'd be in a mess because we'd all be sloppy and carelessly dressed. And I appreciate my wife dressing up. How about you? Uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, I mean, you. some of you put a lot of time in that mirror, don't you? You can tell I don't, can't you? I don't. Some of you, nothing wrong with that. But life is more than those things. Uh, beauty is inner stuff, isn't it? Amen. Now, he says, 
in this text, he said, about our mind and what's controlling our mind, verse uh, 23, and then he says, consider the raven, verse 24. Now, the raven is an unclean bird, right? In the Old Testament, he's considered an unclean bird, and and, and he's kind of... He's, he's not the good guy. He's the bad guy. Notice he said, Consider the raven, for they neither sow nor reap, neither uh, have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowl? You know, God's taking care of the raven. He's taking care of the unclean bird. He's taking care of... God takes care of people that are totally unfit. What about you? Is God going to take care of you? you? You believe on Him as your Savior. You love the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we give Him them worries? Oh, we need to. We need to. So, consider the raven. Consider, observe Him that the raven, He's got a lot of disadvantages over you. He doesn't have a barn. He doesn't have a storehouse. He doesn't have all those things. But is it a problem? The more we get, the more we worry. Could be, could be. This raven can't sow, he can't reap, doesn't have a place to store it, but God takes care of him. How much more are you than the raven? That's what he said. God feeds them, and we're valuable to God, and so God takes care of them. Now, now I don't think you should take this to the degree that you just sit there on your property. you got to do what you got to do, right? Don't don't let that, don't get into that thing. So, God feeds them. God will take care of us if he takes care of those unclean birds. Now, look at verse 25. And which of you, he's going on about worry. He says, which of you, uh, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Now, that'd be 16 inches. You can't do it. Then verse 26, if ye then being uh, be not able to do that, which a thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? There's things that we can't change. There are things that we have no power over. Uh, you know, we're, we're worried about all sorts of things. People are today, and they say, you know, people are worried about uh, global issues. Uh, let's, let's talk about global warming, which has a new term now, doesn't it? What is it? What's the new term? It's not global warming. Because that don't work out so good. I kind of like it, like it, global warming. Climate change. Are we to worry about climate change? It's in God's hands. Uh, the, it's going to burn up. He's going to burn up with a fervent heat, Peter t- tells us. But it's going to be here as long as God wants it here. Get out of worrying about things that are in God's hands. Don't worry about those. They're just a diversion. You know what, man... You know what mankind's problem is? Sin. S-I-N. God defines what it is. We can't define it. Oh, that's not a sin. That's not a... We can't define sin. God defines it. We ought to worry about our relationship with God. He just went over about the man that tore down his barn and built bigger barns, and he said that man was a fool. Was he a fool because he was industrious? No. Was he a fool because he knew how to make money? No, he wasn't a fool. He was a fool because he worried about stuff, but not about his soul. What is the most valuable thing that you have? Your soul. 
It's been assigned you by God. And one of these days, that soul is going to spend eternity at one or two places, either heaven or hell. That's a reality. Now listen, listen to me. Christians would be having the forefront on the world stage today talking about end-time events. But the devil has put climate change up there to divert the attention of people to worry about something that's probably not going to uh, happen like they say it is, and you can't do anything about it anyway. You say, well, we're doing a lot about it. You can't even stop smog in, in Los Angeles, much less global warming. Don't worry about those things. It's in God's hands. Hey, worried about, you know, your kids are traveling. Hey, you can, you can just go crazy worrying about they're traveling. Hey, they're in a car, they're in a truck. Uh, worry about whether they got the seatbelt on, all right? But give it to God. We have to trust it to God. Isn't that true? So that's what he says. Look at verse 26. He said, If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take you thought of the rest? Why are you worried? A person says, you've heard it before, worry must work because 90% of what I worry about never happens. <laughs> but we think about worry. Think it seriously with me about it. Worry has an effect on us. It does. It affects us. It can take your emotional strength away. I mean, sometimes it can devastate folks. It, it can cause you to be sick at your stomach. That's a big problem for me if I do that. Hey, cause you not to sleep. You can lay there and worry all night. Feelings of restlessness, jitters, muscle tension, difficulty with concentration. I mean, people take medicine. They're giving out that stuff. I can't name, think of the name of it. We won't call it by name anyway. You may be on it. They're giving that stuff away. I mean, not giving it away, but selling it more today than ever before. People are just taking something to get their worries. What about going back to the old Bible? It can lead to other troubles. Me worrying about things can cause me to bring disruption in my marriage. Letting other things eat at me. Financial trouble. Loneliness. Worry. Anxiety. Devastating. Look at verse 27 in the text. Consider the lilies. Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Solomon couldn't outdo a lily with all that he had. The Bible calls out the most successful king of all the kings, the wisest of all the kings, and said Solomon couldn't outdo a lily that's just sitting there depending on God. Sitting there depending on God. Are you depending on God? That's the answer to worry is learning to depend on on the Lord. He says they grow. They tall not. They're not fretting. Verse 28. He said if then God so clothed the grass. If God took care of the grass. Which is today in the field. And tomorrow is cast into the oven. How much more will he clothe you. O ye of little faith. And what we got to get to. Here's the context. The context. We're worried about the things that are going to be burned up in the fire. They're all going to be gone. Worry about the house. It's going to burn. 
The car's going to burn. The bank account's going to burn. Only souls are going to last forever. Perspective, isn't it? Now, I, I, I was reading, uh, I was given a book, a, a series of books this week, so I, I, it's, it, the, the title of the book was Worry, and I'd already prepared uh, what I was going to preach, and I picked the book up and I read the book. It's a Dale Carnegie book, and he had a lot of Christian principles in the stuff that he did. And so let me, let me give you a word from, from this guy that, you know, made, made a fortune over giving people advice over how to deal with issues of life. Here's what he said. First of all, what is the worst possible outcome of whatever you're worried about? What could it be the worst possible outcome? He's doing an evaluation, okay? What could be the worst thing that could happen? I think if you do that evaluation, you might determine that the worst thing could happen is not, worry, not worth enough to be worried about. But let's say it is. Here's what he said, number two. Accept what, uh, prepare to accept what the worst thing could be. Put it in your mind. Make your mind up that if it's the worst thing, I'm, 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 I'm willing to, to accept that. Hey, it's in God's hands, isn't it? Amen. And then the third step was proceed to improve the situation uh, to make it where it won't be the worst turnout of the situation. And we have to worry about an idle mind filled with worry. And, and then he said, and one of the other things he said in the book, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. A doubtful mind. Doubtful mind. That's what Jesus said in the text. Oh, ye of little faith. We've got to have big faith in God. A little faith does, goes a long way. But we need to be trusting and putting things in the hands of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith. It is possible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, folks, there are things that you cannot change. Someone died. You can't change it. You've got to accept it. I'm going to die. I've got to accept that. You're going to die. You have to accept that. Now, when we're worried, when we're worrying about Something in particular. Uh, that may not be what's really wrong. I've learned this in my own life. You need to take an evaluation. Look into your heart. What are you really worried about? What is the emotional thing going on in your life? Something going on in your family or something else? What is going on that's got your emotional level raised to flood stage? And then this little thing comes in and kicks it over, and you're thinking, how can a little thing like that just drive me over the top? It's because there's bigger stuff underneath that that's raising the level of worry to flood stage. Get down to what really is eating at you and lay it before God and give it to God. Trust Him with it. Over in John, we won't turn there because I don't want to take the time to do it, but in John 7, verse 37 to 39, it talks about if we're a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit in our life, and out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Up the flood stage, and then when the Holy Spirit completely fills us, it overflows into the life of other people. That's what the, the Scripture teaches there, doesn't it? Right? You follow me? Wake up now. Wake up now. Okay? And so, question. Are you a Christian? 
Question, do you have the Holy Spirit? So you are a believer and you have the Holy Spirit. And so he is there and he is to give you the living water to make you able to deal with these situations. Worrying is doubting his power. It's it's questioning. Now, let me say this. If it's true that the Holy Spirit can fill you to the place of overflowing, then it is also true that worry can fill you too. Worry can fill you to the place of overflowing, and worry has become a sin if it wasn't a sin to start with when it gets to that place. And let me tell you what you can worry about. Something you did wrong can just worry you, worry you, worry you to death. Now let me ask you something. Are you the first person to make a grave mistake in life? Tell me who, who was the first person here to make a tragic mistake in their life? Raise your hand. Were you the first? No first. People make grave mistakes, but guess what? People survive them. How do they survive them? Let me tell you. They either worry about it the rest of their life, and they die a miserable person, or they bring it to the cross of Calvary and leave it at the cross of Calvary and let Jesus pour his loving forgiveness over it and you walk away a forgiven person. The question is, what will you do with your words? Something that's in there. <coughs> Just remember, something. someone may say something, uh, you may say something to someone and, and you say, man, that really made them mad. I can't believe that little thing I said made them mad. It's probably because there is a water level to overflowing of worries in their life, something they've done wrong, some mistake they made, and it's got that level so high they can't take anything else. So what do you do when you worry? You take it to Jesus. You leave it there. In Luke chapter 11, verse 29, 1129, let me read that one for you. I got it on my notes here. <clears throat> I think I do. Yeah. Take my yoke, he says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. We've got to take it to Jesus. Hey, listen, some of you are starting to get older. I'm going to get there one day. When you get older, you start to worry more. I think some of that has to do with not having anything to do. Sit around and worry. Hey, We've got to learn to take it to Jesus. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what you do when you take your burden to Jesus? You're doing an exchange with him. You're giving him your words, and he's giving you his, his righteousness and his faith and his finished work at Calvary. You need to do that exchange. And see, you take up a new burden, his burden. Take his yoke. How many you remember what a yoke is? How many remember the old two uh, mules or the old two oxen there in the yoke? You know what Jesus said? You bring your burden to me and you lay it down at the cross. And he said, guess what? I'll enter that yoke with you. Wow. Is there a better promise anywhere than the creator of the world said, if you'll bring your problem, you bring whatever's worrying you, whatever's eating at you, you bring it to me and lay it down at my cross. He said, I'll enter that yoke with you. Don't you need help? I'll tell you what, people spend hundreds of dollars on psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, they call them. 
Jesus is the best counselor there is. That Bible is the best counsel you can find. And the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the Bible that is the counselor. He Listen, the Lord's called the mighty counselor. So you poor folks out there, just quit spending your money at the sex office and take it to Jesus. He'll give you a new burden. Walking in that yoke with him. Now, notice Jesus said in that same text in verse 30, he said, I'm meek and lowly. I'm meek and lowly. And that meek and lowly means he has the strength under control. Humility. You know, humility is a common problem we don't have enough of. God has to humble us. Bring it to the Lord. Humble yourself. Accept your failure and lay it on the cross. Don't deny it. Lay it on the cross and accept his forgiveness. How many of us deal with bitterness? That causes worry. Bitterness. The Bible teaches us to put it away from us with revenge. People have a problem wanting revenge. I've got a reference I want to take you to. And go ahead and shoot it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Put it up on the screen. Folks can see it. Thank you, David. Look at this. Revenge and bitterness. Follow peace with all men. You got somebody you want to re-pick a fight with? That's stupid. Let it be settled. Put it behind you. Do something good for him if it takes that for you to put it behind you. He said, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, look at it, looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. If we have a terrible case of worry, we better look under every rock. And what you might find under that rock is a desire for revenge or bitterness set in. Now, let me tell you the ugly part of bitterness. The person that does the wrong doesn't get bitter. The person that has been done wrong gets bitter. Man, that's the innocent are suffering, right? And so, he just gives us this word of instruction. He gave us Esau as an example, who was bitter at his brother for stealing his birthright, which had every right to be bitter over that, but it still doesn't help. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord Looking diligently, be very diligent, lest any man fail the grace of God. You know what the definition of the grace of God is in that text? Let me give you the definition. You write it out in your Bible. The power to do what is right. The ability to do the right thing. So, looking diligently, lest any man fail the ability to do what's right. The grace of God. God will give you grace. Remember what he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12? Paul said, man, I can't overcome this problem. I've got this problem. I can't overcome it. It It just nags at me, nags at me, nags at me. And he said, I prayed about it three times. Thrice is the old King James word. I prayed about it three times, and the Lord didn't take my problems away from me, but he made me this promise. He said, if you'll just walk with me, I'll give you the grace that you may be able to bear it. 
You know what Paul went on to say in that text? He said, I'm glad he didn't take it away. I'm glad he gave me his grace. He said, this is better. God gives grace. So we've got to look under the rock. We've got to look diligently. When something bad has happened to us, even if we caused it or we didn't cause it, there is a great possibility that bitterness will develop there. He said, lest any root of bitterness. You're, you ever have a, a wart? You can cut the surface of that. You can, cut that real, you can get that thing to bleeding, can't you? You just cut it and cut it. There's still a little root there in there. You go to the doctor, he burns it off, or you just get real serious and dig it out, you got it then, right? It hurts. Even when the doctor burns it, it hurts, doesn't it? It burns. Man, we've got to get rid of that bitterness, even if it hurts. Well, that person was wrong. What they did was wrong. That was, that was a terrible situation. I, didn't des- I don't deserve it. You still got to get that root of bitterness out. You got me? Does any root of bitterness springing up trouble you whereby many are defiled? Folks, we can point at people we know all around us. They're not here today. They're not going to be here tonight. They're not going to be in church. They're not, they're not going to be happy. What's the problem? Roots of bitterness. And we got people here with roots of bitterness. I guarantee you there are people here today with a root of bitterness springing up, troubling you, keeping you from the joy of the You remember I told you that reference in John 7 about the living water that the Holy Spirit puts in there? Bitterness, bitterness causes that water not to be fresh. It messes up that water, makes it undrinkable, undesirable. God tells us we've got to take bitterness. We've got to lay bitterness down at that cross. And we've got to leave it there and be forgiven. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, that malice is that underlying anger. And be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. <clears throat> now folks, you don't carry bitterness and succeed. You take it to the cross and leave it there. And then you can build a relationship with God and God will turn you completely around. Something that you've done wrong in your life, God can take that old ugly picture and turn it around and make a beautiful picture out of it. How many seen the, the work of a person on a blanket or something and, and, and you know it's a beautiful engraving of threads and, and beautiful colors and you flip that thing over, it looks like a mess, right? That's the way we're looking at our problems. It's a mess. But we flip it over, turn it to God, and He shows us a beautiful picture of art from it. We build a relationship with God through that. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, And the Lord, He said, And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee, 
He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. What, what, what's, what stands out in that verse? Look at it, look at it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. That's good. He will be with thee. That's good. He will not fail thee. That's great, man. Neither forsake thee. Boy, that's good. That's God's side. He said, fear not. Now, oh, that's an instruction to us, right? Fear not. Neither be dismayed. What in the world does dismayed be? Don't, hey, you read this, read this in the scripture. The word dismayed's in there. It's in there. What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, let me give you a definition. Feeling alarmed, concerned, stressed out with fear, worry. Is it not is that not worry? Be not dismayed. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what is the promise? He shall direct thy path. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 1. 43 verse 1 rather. He said, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Let me ask you something, friend. Have you given your heart to Jesus? You know, there's a chance you've never been saved. There's a chance you've been baptized as many times as anybody else and everybody else. I don't make you a Christian. Getting baptized, being a church member, doesn't make you a Christian. It's have you trusted Jesus as your Savior? Has there ever been a time and a place that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted Him? Are you His? Has He redeemed you? He created you. He formed you. But have you brought your soul back and said, Here I am, God, save me. Make me one of yours. You say, Preacher, I really have a real hard time. I don't want to live for God. I don't want to go to church. I, I don't want to read my Bible. Maybe you need to get saved. You ever thought about that? Possibility. The Bible says over in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. My wife's had that on our wall for 40-something years. What do you do? You're a Christian. What do you do? You turn it over to the Lord. Count your blessings rather than your trouble. Focus on the Lord, not your failures. Be grateful for the goodness of God. Focus on what is God up to. Because that's what he closes out here with this thing. He says, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's where he closes it out. Put your mind and your focus on God and what God wants to do. And that's the out, the last thing we do with worry. We change our concerns about the things of the world to the things of God. Have you trusted Jesus? Are you a child of God? If you died today, would you go to heaven? I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. I hope I've said something to you about worry that will help you, enable you to overcome it, put it behind you, learn to deal with it. But most importantly, most importantly, you've done something in your life you think that God can't forgive you. He can. And you're never going to forgive yourself until he does. You know, when David had sinned with Bathsheba, he lived with that for quite some time. It never bothered him, really. 
He thought it was like everything else. Oh, just another thing, you know. But then the Holy Spirit began to convict him. And he wrote Psalm 51. And he said, God, I've sinned before you. And you only. And you're the key to me having forgiveness and moving forward. That's a true for us, whoever you are. Take it and leave it at the cross. And take up the cross of Christ. Let's bow our heads and quietly stand. Our musicians come. We'll give you an opportunity of response. Invite you to come today. To give your heart to Christ. To come today to leave a burden here at this altar. To acknowledge that worry has controlled my life too much. To leave that thing of worry off the cross at the altar today. Let's pray. Let's sing. Anyone need to come today? Without one plea, but that thy blood Would you come today? Was shed for me. Is there something you need to lay on the cross? Lay at the cross on the altar today? Me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Anyone? Just as something you need to bring? Lay it down. You need to be saved. Each spot, oh Lamb of God, I come. Let's all sing that out now. Let's all sing it out. Just as I am, thou wilt receive, will welcome pardon, cleanse, relieve. Anyone? Anyone else? Thy promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. All right, let's have our ushers come.